Welcome to The Sway Effect, a podcast series featuring the innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are shaping the marketing communications industry today. I'm Jennifer Risi, the founder and president of The Sway Effect. Together, we will explore what's now and what's next, as well as the trends moving our industry forward. As we kicked off 2024, we relaunched my podcast. As part of the series, we will continue to have conversations with leaders across our industry, while also expanding to talk with notable communicators and reporters tied to key events and cultural moments. In our next episode, we're going to be catching up with Bloomberg News' Aisha Counts, who covers the latest in social media and big tech. 2024 will be a pivotal year for social media, as brands are more focused than ever on reaching Gen Z. Today's chat, we're going to be discussing the recent Super Bowl, why more and more people are turning to TikTok for their news, and what's in store for big tech. Let's dive in. Thank you for being on my podcast. Um, before we begin, I would like to ask you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at Bloomberg News. Yeah, that's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I am a journalist at Bloomberg, a tech reporter, write about big tech and social media. I had sort of an interesting entry into journalism. I actually came out of school and did management consulting for a couple of years um, and then decided to switch over to, to journalism. So nice fit being able to, to write about businesses and, and ending up at Bloomberg. You know, you cover such a very a wide range of topics. I mean, obviously, social media, big tech, that's very broad, especially with how all of that is changing how we all function and live. One of the big things that honestly, that, that just came out was um, obviously the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was a big moment for social media, big moment for advertisers. We saw the Taylor Swift effect increased female viewership significantly. Advertisers are looking to really target Gen Z more than ever before. So, you know, give me a little bit of a sense of, you know, big your big takeaways from the game. What were some of the trends you saw? Yeah, it was really interesting. As you mentioned, of course, it's always a huge advertising day. And I write a lot about Twitter, which is now called X. And so we were really watching to see, like, is Twitter still going to be the space for sports conversations, even after all that happened over the past year? And the answer is kind of yes, right? They sold some huge ad packages and got, you know, advertisers spending anywhere from like a million to more dollars sports fans were still there and like really engaged but I, what I think we see is a lot of this kind of like hardcore sports fans like play-by-play -play stuff is happening on Twitter but then if you think about it Instagram and TikTok that's where you're having more of the cultural conversation so the pictures and clips of like Travis Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift and and so it's sort of being able to reach that new demographic as you mentioned female viewership I think is coming from the sort of cultural side of a TikTok or an Instagram where you're maybe thinking about, okay, what celebrities are in the stands and Beyonce was there and Jay-Z was there. And, and so those sorts of things you see happening there. And I think advertisers are really smart this year. Like if you think about a lot of the advertisements we saw were sort of playing on a lot of the themes we've seen throughout the year, pulling these celebrities that people like to watch and and really just being creative. I feel like the the ads, it felt like there were more ads in a weird way and more celebrities and more sort of like cultural pieces. And um, so it's been, it's been interesting to see that effect and that X is still able to do well during the Super Bowl. And then the other sort of platforms are getting a boost too in, in a different way. I'm obviously, I do a lot of work in the advertising marketing world. The fun part I love for the game is the ads. And to your point about X, like I love live, I don't even think you call it, what do you call it anymore? It's not tweeting. What is it? Like posting or Xing. Posting. Posting. There you go. So I was live posting the whole time that, that I was watching the game because I just love all the ads and I was more engaged than ever. And, and to your point, I was 
from my world, not from like the tech world, but just from the advertising community, I was like, where are we all going to talk? Because we all love to talk about the ads. We all love to talk about the creativity, you know, who, who really won the day, who didn't really do that great from an advertising perspective. And there was a lot of engagement. People were still, to your point, using X as the place to talk. Like, yes, I shared some things on my personal Instagram or our company's Instagram, but I literally was on X the whole time and I was really getting engaged with. And to your point, I actually was encouraged, but I also was a little bit surprised that it was that engaging. Like there were so many of us there and even all of the advertising media, like the ad weeks, the ad ages of the world, they were literally posting ads every like couple of minutes. So it was very cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting too how a lot of advertisements came out before the Super Bowl. Like yeah. companies were sort of releasing. So that felt a little bit different too, which I thought was sort of an interesting play. And so me and my friends were already like sort of like talking about the ads before the game even started. Were there any surprises? I don't think so. I mean, I think the biggest surprise was just was just X and it still being sort of the vibrant place. I think that was just the biggest surprise. I agree. I agree. Well, I'm going to switch. So you're a regular contributor to Bloomberg Tech's daily newsletter. You know, where so much news, so much is being crammed into um, into just what people have to be covering. And and honestly, we're still seeing cuts, especially in, in the media industry right now. You're seeing, you know, same amount of topics, if not more topics that have to be covered with less staff. It's been a hard time the last couple of months. You know, how do you decide what you cover in the newsletter, but also like what's the overall tone over at Bloomberg right now? Yeah, I think so great about Bloomberg and I think why a lot of people want to join is they've been around forever and they tend to just be able to keep people and we sort of benefit in this media environment of having the terminal, like having a whole other product that's kind of like the engines behind the business, which I think is really nice. Um, so people are happy. Things are good. In terms of the newsletter, it is hard because as you mentioned, there's so much happening in any given week. And so we have a, a team of us that all report about the social media companies and big tech. And so we'll meet every week and, okay, who has newsletter ideas? And we'll just sort of pitch things. And a lot of times it ends up being just these fun stories that maybe won't be a full story, like, but that will be a shorter couple hundred words things that's just something interesting. So there was, um, because, you know, Taylor Swift is sort of the like topic of the moment. Uh, a few months ago, there was a bunch of people on Instagram who got locked out of their accounts because their name was Taylor. And so they thought, well, it has to do with Taylor Swift. And so all these people were like, please don't like take our accounts just because we're like Taylor Swift fans. And so I wrote like a fun newsletter about that. And so sometimes it'll just be those sort of fun topics. But I mean, we have plenty of, of things to pick from. So it's really just a matter of like, what are we interested in and, and what's going to be fun? And how can we sort of just like have fun with our readers? So most people that listen to this podcast are in the marketing and advertising space. So give me a little bit of a sense for our listeners you know, what type of stories do you want to hear about for the newsletter or in general for your beat? Yeah, for the newsletter, I mean, the Super Bowl is a great example. If there's like a really fun advertisement that is taking off on social and people are really talking about it and it is showing some sort of a trend that like people are still on X, that could be a newsletter. Just sort of a fun one of like, this is what's happening in this this space. Because our readers too at Bloomberg are interested in like marketing and advertising and sort of the revenue side of of these social media companies. So anything that's related to that are, are fun things. Um, but a lot of it ends up just being what's going on inside of the companies and how are the sort of industry forces changing things? Like 
what are they saying to advertisers? Like a big scoop we had was um, X's advertising revenue. So things like that are, are the stories that we end up sort of writing. I'm going to switch it again. So you likely have seen that there is a new dating app called Sora that is exclusive to people with good to excellent credit scores. What do you think this type of app tells us about the future of app development, social media and engagement? I think it's so funny. I mean, if you think about it now, like so many of my friends met their like long-term partners or their spouses on dating apps. I don't think that was the case, you know, 10 years ago. And right. so I think it's so interesting how apps in our real life are kind of like one in the same, in a sense, like we use an app for everything. And then things are more niche, right? Like you go on that for your credit score. There's like that app Raya for celebrities. There's an app for people who have certain professions. And so I, I, I see kind of the social media app space being more niche and being, being able to find that specific community that you want, or maybe you just have an app. Like I have an app to check the weather. I have an app to buy Chipotle. You might have an app for, you know, a very specific purpose. And so I, I see more of, of that happening, but it is interesting. All these sort of fun things that like are taking advantage of like a cultural moment or like there's the app laps that got super popular. That is basically for taking photos, but not posting in the same way as Instagram, because it's like, well, we don't want to be on the traditional social media. So I think it's, it's always kind of like a back and forth between like what's going on in culture and, and how things are changing. Speaking of culture, like think like just to give our listeners just a little bit of context. So like, obviously you cover social media, social media. I mean, I've been around long enough that social media didn't always exist. Like there's certain things that have happened in my life that I actually have hardcore pictures that are in a book someplace. So I'm dating myself, but talk a little bit about what is of interest to you. What 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 is actually the trend you're seeing right now in social media, and that you're really interested in really seeing what what happens? Yeah, I think it's so dependent by generation and platform. But there's sort of a movement, like I mentioned, that app laps. There's kind of yeah. some people are sort of like the anti-social media, or like people are like, I want to use a dumb phone now and like be completely disconnected. And then of course, everyone wants to create content. Right. And like, I have so many friends who are like, oh, I think I want to try being an influencer. Like kids, they want to be influencers. Like if you ask kids, like a young kid, they're like, oh yeah, I want to grow up and be an influencer. So that's a really interesting shift. Um, I think well, it looks very glamorous. Like if what you see on social media, why wouldn't you want to be, you get a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks great. You get free clothes and, and all those sorts of things. Obviously people are just spending so much time on TikTok, searching on TikTok. Like if I want to find a beauty product, like all my friends are into like press on nails. And so there's like this really popular nail glue on TikTok and like everyone's talking about it. So if I want to find like nail glue for my press on nails, I'm probably going to search on TikTok. Or if I want to see how do I do my makeup or what product should I buy? I'd go there before I would go to Google, which I think is really interesting too. And then of course, just the amount of content, right? You're watching that instead of like watching TV or maybe a traditional show, like me and my friends will be on Instagram, like sending each other DMs of reels or like texting each other TikToks or, you know, that's sort of just how you communicate. And like, that's how we, it's less of like, I'm posting and it's more just like sharing and having private conversations with my friends and DMs. So I think that's interesting too. When you think of social media, you kind of think of like posting content and obviously there are a lot of content creators, but I feel like a lot of conversation is actually moving into like DMs and private messages and stuff. Let me ask you this. What do you think about like how relevant is Facebook still? Not. The, I know. 
the way I think about it is okay my aunts and like my extended family members are there so I have it and like my high school reunion is coming up this year and so like we're all on we all just have these Facebook accounts but it's not where we're like posting or or doing anything See, it's interesting. The reason I ask you is that there's certain brands that we work with where they're like, obviously LinkedIn is the major focus because they're businesses and yeah. there's still some debate about X. Um, mm -hmm. Instagram and TikTok is the place to be, but I still have a lot of brands still focusing on Facebook and it doesn't feel right to me. So that's why I'm asking the expert. I mean, it's, it's the demographic. Like even I, I've even met like creators. I think about content creator. I think about an Instagram or TikTok. But some are like, well, my audience is on Facebook. Like I met a creator who she like has a dating service. And she's like, most of my audience is like males who are like in their 40s and they're on Facebook. So it's so dem so demographic based and like they still have a huge user base. I know I'm I'm in my 40s, but I I think I sometimes will go on not even as much as I used to. Like I'll help. It's a good reminder for people's birthdays. Yeah. And you and you. And so I've figured out a way to have I'm so dating myself to have Instagram reshare on Facebook, but I'm not there as much as I used to be. And, but there are a lot of people that still in my demographic still post a lot there and that's, that's their primary channel. So to your, you're right. The more and more you think about it, there's different social channels and apps for different generations. You don't think about it until you actually start talking about it. Exactly. Um, speaking of apps and social media, TikTok continues to be a major platform, popular platform, especially for Gen Z. You know, why do you think people are now turning more and more to TikTok for their news? I mean, when we like last month when I did this podcast, I just relaunched it. Um, we had on um, the chief communications officer from the Washington Post. And the Washington Post is an iconic paper. It's been around forever. Um, they have now invested so much in TikTok. They're sending out news more and more by TikTok. So, you know, what is your thoughts about why more and more people are turning to TikTok for their news? I think it's a couple of things. I think part of it is if you're a young person and you're already on TikTok and then you happen to see some news or something like that, and then you want to learn more, like you're already there. The other part of it is what I sort of mentioned earlier is it's like the search engine now. So it's like, okay, I want to know what's happening. I'm used to being on TikTok every day. So I'm just going to search and see what's going on in the news there. And then I think the other aspect is just the video component. Like these creators are so good at making like even a quote unquote boring news article, super interesting. And they kind of add the drama and they narrate it and they put emphasis on it. And, and that can make it really engaging. And so I think it's all those things. I mean, it's just where people are spending their time. You know, AI is the conversation everywhere. Obviously you're doing a lot with big tech, so much conversation. I've, I've talked a lot, a lot of our clients are, are CEOs across a lot of different industries, but a bunch of them are in tech specifically. And and we've been, a bunch of them have been talking about that 2024 is the year that we're really going to see AI put into practical action. And this is the year we're going to measure it and see how we're actually going to, what we're actually going to do with it and how we need to blend it with people. And it's not going to take over too much because you still need the person to help you. It's just going to help us be more efficient. How do you feel that AI is going to impact what you do? I mean, specifically, you know, the two worlds you work in, in big tech and social media, how is AI going to transform and, and impact both of those worlds? So many ways. On the social media end, I think we're going to see people using AI to make content. So you think about being able to like automatically edit a video or even just create a video. 
or just create a post. You can do that at so much of a faster speed. So I think we're going to see that. Um, Mark Zuckerberg has sort of talked about having like AI people. So if you go to like an Instagram profile and it just looks like a person, but maybe it's actually an AI and it's like some sort of like digital avatar and it posts its own content and like has this voice. I think that's kind of creepy, but kind of interesting too. So I think we'll see more of, of that. Um, and then of course they have things like chat bots. And so you might be able to, in a similar vein, talk to this sort of like digital friend and like have a conversation with them. On the big tech side, it's so many things. I think a lot of it's going to be the backend stuff. So making things go faster, making them more efficient. We talked a little bit about people. I think the big tech companies will say, oh, we're not going to like get rid of people. But the reality is if, if one person using AI can like push out 10 reports that would normally take two people, they might go to one. Maybe they'll move the other person somewhere else. But like, I think that's the reality of, of the situation. So I think it's that making things faster. Obviously you have like chat GPT and like Google's now use AI in their search engine. And so it's Microsoft. And so you're going to see them use AI in all of, in all of their products. But with all of that obviously comes challenges, right? You think about like deep fakes and misinformation. And so they're really going to have to grapple with the sort of like consequences of the outcomes of that too. Well, next month is South by Southwest. I'm going to be moderating two panels, one tied International Women's Day focused on women women in the workplace. And another one is going to be on AI and the future of truth um, with Facebook, which we've talked a little bit about, turning 20, aging myself even more. How has our concept of truth and technology like AI impacted the evolution of social media? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about, you know, you mentioned Facebook 20 years ago. I think about the feed used to be called newsfeed. So it used to be yeah. about like news and they had all these relationships with these publishers and things like that. And so used to getting like truth and information from these sort of like big sources. Now that's changed where it's much more individual voices, I would say, and like these influencers. And then you have things like misinformation. If anyone can post and create content and you can get your news from a million or a billion different people, how do you know what's true and what's not true? Like it depends on the person. And, and so it gets really sort of sticky and thorny. And then I mentioned deep fakes earlier. And so I think the collision of those things with like social media, more people putting out information than ever, some bad actors using technology to, to create fake information or fake news at a faster rate. Like it's made it really difficult to find truth. I think about um, the war right now in Israel and Palestine even as a journalist going on, sometimes it was hard to figure out, okay, what's true, what's not. People were putting out fake videos and fake letters from President Biden. We saw the President Biden robocall going on just not too long ago. There's deep fakes of Taylor Swift. Like even as a journalist, it can be hard sometimes to figure out what's true and what's not true. And I think that collision is something that's gonna continue on as we move into the election and it's gonna get tricky and these tech companies are gonna to have to figure out ways to sort of combat that. You have to think about, I mean, we, we live in a very, obviously, very challenging time overall right now, but the misinformation with AI has almost made it worse. We had misinformation before, but now it's almost, in my opinion, it's like next level. And just what we saw around the attack that happened around in Israel, um, that there was just so much, we're talking about misinformation. It's not even like misinformation about business stuff. It's like in misinformation about humanity and, and the world and good and evil. Like it's just, it, there's a lot of responsibility 
that we have. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility when, when the internet was created. It's almost like we're at that next precipice of the people who wield the technology have a lot of power and they need, but they also have a lot of responsibility to use the technology in the right way. And I think that, and I'm, I'm very optimistic that we can use the technology for good, but I've seen that we have to put some things in place. It's going to really help ensure that, you know? Absolutely. Ton of work on, on guardrails and regulation and, and all of those things going to be super, super important. We, we usually close out the podcast with what I call the final word, a piece of advice for our listeners who are listening to the podcast. So I have to ask you, what is one piece of advice that you would, or an observation, but I would prefer advice that you would give our listeners about, you know, what you see happening across the media and tech industries over the next 12 to 18 months and how they should navigate it? Yeah, I one of the things I, I think, and we're starting to see already, we sort of talked at the beginning of our conversation about layoffs in the media industry and sort of the the shrinking. I almost see like a shrinking of the middle. Like we, we've seen the sub stacks and a lot of like individual people coming together and creating these sort of like smaller independent media organizations. They're doing really well. Like people are able to make a living off of that. And then you have the big ones, the, the New York Times and, and those sort of media organizations are even thinking beyond just news, thinking about like Disney or Warner Brothers Discovery. And then the middle, I think, is where things are really tough because you don't have the scale to maybe have the same production value or output or compete, but then you're not small enough to be able to be niche and focus on a really small and engaged audience. And so I think that is sort of the challenge. And I think it's a cyclical thing, but it almost feels like we're in a period now where you're going to see consolidation at the top end and then a lot of more people kind of like going independent and doing their own thing. And so I think anyone who's like in the media industry or wants to get in the media industry, like you really have to think, I think differently than maybe you did in the past. The media industry is not just linear TV and news. It's also content creators and TikTok and Instagram. And, and so it feels like it's more sort of like spread out than it ever has been before, which is a ton of opportunity, but it's also just sort of a different way of thinking. And you kind of have to be like a jack of all trades. Like I think about a content creator you're coming up with the idea, you're filming it, and you're having to do like the production and the editing and the lighting. And even as journalists now, we're not just writing. We're going on TV and we're talking on radio and we're having conversations like this and we're posting on social media. And, and so I think things are, are, you have to sort of like do more in a lot of ways, but there's also a ton of opportunity. I love this conversation. I could keep it going forever, but I'm very mindful of your time. And thank you so much for joining me. Such relevant, fun topics. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Yeah, it was great to chat.